that the book of Nehemiah, especially in chapter 5, kind of gets glossed over. So I want to I want to actually start reading. Well, actually, I'll read here in just a minute, but I want to kind of get you caught up. And I want you to understand something before I even read the Scripture. That, that these days, these days, we are being told that people who make a profit are evil. And they need to be punished. But... The, capital, the capitalistic system, the system that America has always operated under, is both right and biblical. i gotta, I got to set this up before we get to the Scripture. The system in America where people are expected to work, they're expected to save their money, they're expected to be smart with their money. This system, the system where people take great personal risk, to achieve great things and they end up becoming wealthy, uh, this, this system right here is right. It's the right system. It's the biblical system. A person who invests their life savings or risks losing everything, works 90 hours a week to start their own company, their own business, uh, they can potentially see that, that company grow into a multi-billion dollar corporation and they ought to be rewarded by that. So profit, understand this, profit is not a sinful thing. Understand that. All right? However, there are actually times when we should intentionally not make a profit. There are times when we should either be trying to break even or actually even show a loss. But those times are rare. But they do exist. The Jews in Nehemiah's day, they found themselves in one of those situations. And we're going to find that tonight. And Nehemiah had to teach them that what they were doing was wrong. And so we, we've looked at part of the problem. And the first four chapters introduced us to the first part of the problem. And these people had just come back from captivity. The walls were destroyed. The cities were burned down. And, and people were trying to spend their days to fix everything. There were enemies all around threatening to destroy them. So in addition to having to work on the walls all day, they're also having to hold up swords, and they're also having to hold up weapons and stand guard day and night lest they be overrun. In a time like that, you do not have much of an opportunity really to provide even for your basic needs. It was a time of great emergency, and these people were just trying to stay alive. So follow along in the scriptures in Nehemiah chapter 5. We're going to read the first five verses. We'll break everything down. Nehemiah chapter 5 verse 1. And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. For there were that said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, we take up corn for them. Watch it, we're coming back to that. That we may eat and live. Some also there were that said... We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth. Dearth is essentially the scarcity or the lack of something. Verse 4, There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute and that upon our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren. Our children as their children, and lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants. And some of our daughters are brought unto bondage already. Neither is it 
in our power to redeem them. For other men have our lands and our vineyards. So, first we see the prophet. In addition to everything else that they're facing, you know what they're facing. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, they have a whole slew of enemies trying to destroy them, trying to kill them. In addition to all those problems that they're already facing, the rain's not falling down from the sky. It was a time of no rain. It was a time of famine in the land. This is really, really bad timing for them. But on top of that, on top of that, they're under a huge tax burden. I mean, huge tax burden. They're actually having to borrow money to pay their taxes. I was trying to explain to Raylan the other day how the economy works and, you know, how to give a tithe and stuff. And I showed him my, my check stuff from, from work and I was trying to explain, you know, this is income, income tax and things of that nature. He says, well, I thought you pay tax when you buy something. I said, you're right. That's called sales tax. He says, why did they tax you twice? <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. I ain't even got to explain the, the economy to him. <laughs> I said, glory, he's on to something right there. So they were heavily taxed. If, if that sounds familiar to you, I know it sounds a little bit familiar to me, and we'll move on. And so so when, these, when these hard times hit, some people, they're just better off, really, not working at all. Verse number 1, when we look at verse number 1, it says, And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews, at the very onset, we find that we found that the people they found a great way to make money off of other people in desperate times. But the problem is they're making money off their own brethren, the Jews. Right now, they are quite literally price gouging their own family members. These are not strangers. They are taking advantage of their own family members. Verse number two says. For there were that said, We are sons and our daughters are many. Therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. The phrase in verse number 2, take up corn for them, it means that they borrowed money to get corn. They had big families and they're, they're going to the, the finance companies, if you will, with high interest rates just to buy food. They were being destroyed financially. And their brethren were making a very nice profit off of them. Could you imagine? I mean, I put myself uh, in, in, into this situation. You know, I've got my three children. Could you imagine what it would be like for me or maybe yourself? But for me, I was thinking, man, if I walked up to Walmart. By the way, I went to Walmart today. Uh, to Yeah, tell me about it. Guns are loaded. I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, you know. Uh, anyways, with that being said, I come in there just kind of eyeballing everything. But I did happen to see somebody I know. I guess I'm a citizen now because I actually ran into some, somebody in Walmart that I know. And it was another pastor of another church, and he's from out of town too. He came down about the same time I did. He's from Virginia, and uh, he's Pastor Jonathan uh, Vandermark up at Juniper Bay. He said, Pastor Waters. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Somebody knows me. <laughs> but um, it just started raining. He says, did you forget your umbrella? I said, I did. He said, I forgot mine too. I said, well, I, said, I guess we're in the same boat together. But anyways, I went in there to, to try to find some slacks for some of my staff. Uh, we was out of uniforms and such. 
And and it was two hundred and like fifty dollars for the slacks. I was thinking, my goodness, that yeah, wow is right. This is for like six employees. I could not get over that. But anyways, I got to thinking, man, if if, if the prices of slacks have gone up, what's the prices of grocery? And you're probably like, well, Pastor, don't you know? No, I don't. Have you seen that beautiful brunette with blue eyes that follows me around <laughs> everywhere, Miss Taylor? Let me tell you, she is so smart. Until I said this, she knows how to find a deal. Because I told her, I said, listen, I don't mind if we cut corners here and there, but don't you dare skimp on Duke's mayonnaise. We have to have Duke's. And, and no, seriously, she'll find the deals, and, she'll, and she's so proud of herself. She's like, we saved $40. I'm like, that's nothing. She said, we saved to take a gas. I said, glory to God. <laughs> she put it in perspective for me. I said, look at you, baby. So I don't go shopping. She does that. Because I would buy name brand everything and not even think about it. I guess I'd walk back because I couldn't afford the gas. <clears throat> but I got to thinking, if, if I were to be in such a bad way off financially that I had to go stand in line and get a, a 29.99% interest loan to purchase groceries for my family of five, I'd be in a world of hurt. And it would not surprise me, I'm not saying it's going to happen, if that were to happen in America in the next five years. It would not surprise me if we had to, as the Word of God says, take up corn. Because these people were selling off their houses and their land to buy food. Now, you may say, well, Pastor, we're probably a ways off from there. Do you not remember 2008? It was like it was just the other day. And what that was like for this economy. Do you not remember 2016 and the transition? Do you not remember, uh, for me, for me, under that administration, I, my family profited the most under that administration financially. Then we have a change in power and we went downhill. But my point is, in five years, no, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, you have to be careful with how you spend your money. You understand, Pastor? I told you, Pastor, we're talking about money. Because you don't want to get to a place where you are a slave to the lender. Because so many people are, are that way. I've got a friend of mine. We're going we to get hung up on this point. I ain't going to make it through here. I've got a friend of mine. And I'm so happy for him. We, we was wrestling partners in high school, and I know that don't mean nothing to you. But this is the guy that I woke up with at 4 in the morning, and we, we would, Coach Devin would chase us in his truck and as we're jogging to school. I mean, we, we were both state champions in our weight classes. We, I mean, literally blood, sweat, tears together. I mean, I built this man up. He built me up. I mean, he was like my best buddy in the world. And then, you know, he goes out and gets married and all these things. He goes and buys a half a million dollar house. Then he buys a brand new Escalade. And he buys a brand new pontoon boat. And I was thinking, dear Lord. And uh, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. And he's like bragging. Oh, he calls me J-Dub. He says, oh, yeah, J-Dub, look at what I got. Come over to the house. Come over to the house. And I pulled him outside. I said, brother, I said, I want you to know I am so happy for you that you have all these nice things. I said, but you don't own a dime of it. I said, brother, you don't own this. You are in debt. And I said that with love in my heart. And of course, he got, he got offended at first. He had to swallow his pride and call me several months down the road because he lost his job. 
And now he's having to sell his house. By the way, he's got four babies. And now, now he's trading the Escalade and he's selling off the boat. He said, Waters, I should have listened to you. And I meant that with love in my heart. Listen, the point is, don't try to live outside your means. Because this can happen to you. If it, if it happened to them, it can happen to you. And the problem is, that's how the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. It isn't so much the financial situation that you're in. It's your mindset on how you treat money. You can either let the money build up. I mean, on, on the contrary, you can let money build up and you can just let moth, you know, mothballs uh, put, put around it and have cobwebs around it and do nothing with it. Or you can use it wisely and be a good steward of, 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 of what God's given you. And so these, these people here, they're taking up, they're taking up these, these high interest loans, if you will, just to purchase... Chef Boyardee, can you imagine? And their brethren are making a big profit. Verse number three. Some also said that they have mortgaged, uh, we have mortgaged our lands, our vineyards, our houses that, that we might buy in court and because of the dearth. And so there's a scarcity that, that there isn't much going on. This group of people just literally got rid of everything. They quite literally were homeless just to eat. Verse number four. There were... Also that said, we have borrowed money for the king's tribute and that upon our lands and vineyards. Now these group of people, they're having to borrow money to pay their taxes in order to keep their lands. But once again, because of the interest, their brethren are making a killing off of them. Now let's look at verse number 5. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children... As their children, and lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters are brought into the bondage already. Neither is it in the power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and our vineyards. So when we see in verse 5, it says, Our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. What they're essentially saying is we're all humans and we're all made in the image of God and all the Israelites. And, and we all worship the same God and we're all working on the same walls and we all have the same enemies. And these people should have had enough sense of camaraderie about them to understand that you just can't make money off somebody whenever their life is going through a disaster. See, the law of Moses allowed people under extreme circumstances of poverty to put their own children under bondage and to some businessmen to pay debts. These people who were working like dogs for one another, they're trying to build a wall so that everyone, rich and poor alike, can survive. And here they are, they're, they're having to sell their own children into bondage. And, and some of the daughters here, they've already been sold, breaking their parents' hearts. But the law, the Old Testament law, allowed them... It allowed them to raise the money and then buy them back at any time. But they had no money. And they had no way to make money since the creditors had already took their lands. You see how it all started with just, just oh, I just need a little food to eat. Next thing you know, Aubrey Abigail is out working for a man. Raylan Kevin's working. Are you with me? Their own children are out working for a man. And I'm thinking, well, I could just buy them back. No, I have no land to mortgage. I have no job. I have no income. And it all starts in a, in a financial downpour. 
Now, I'm no Dave Ramsey. I'm no financial guru and, and whatnot, but I'm just telling you that there is financial principles found in the Word of God. Uh, so I'm a Bible teacher. I'm not teaching you how to, how to have your best life now. I'm not teaching you how to have a million dollars in the bank. I'm not teaching you any of that. But I'm telling you, uh, according to the Word of God, that you don't need to sell your children off to work like dogs to survive. Now, fortunately, we have laws against that here in America. Amen. Hallelujah. But what if we, I mean, and it's a serious question to pose. What if we didn't have those laws? What if we did not have child labor laws in America? Have you seen communist China? Have you heard of communist Russia? That's what it would look like. It would look very, very similar. Very, very similar. And how wicked it was for their own, bre- for their own brethren to, to even really just kick them while they're down. You know, Matthew Henry, he's a scholar, if you will. This is what he said. He said, if men borrow large sums to trade with to increase their stocks or to purchase land, there is no reason why the lender should not share with the borrower in this profit. Or if to spend upon their lust or repair what they have so spent, why should they not pay for extravagances? But... If the poor borrow to maintain their families, and we are able to help them, it is certain that we ought to either lend freely, or essentially what he's saying is that we have an obligation to help people, is what, he, is what he's getting at. And so in other words, if people are trying to make money, and they need you to, to, to loan them some money, help them if you can. But if they're just trying to go purchase a new patio or a, a new TV or a new dining room set or, or jewelry or alcohol or something of that nature, let them waller in it. Let them waller in it. But if they're trying to meet a necessity, and every, everybody has their own way of doing it, everybody's different, help them. For, for me, I'm that guy. I'll hand you 20 bucks. And, and you can say fooey on you all day long. That, that's fine. I'll hand you $20. I'll ask you, are you going to use this for drugs or alcohol? And if you tell me no, I'll say, a man's only as good as your word. I'm taking you at your word. If I see him at the liquor store, which, by the way, I did one time, 2013, I can take, take the spot. I'll pull over and say, hey, man, you've lost all trust and confidence. God didn't care. I know some people that say, hey, are you hungry? I'll buy you groceries. That's another way you can do it. I've done that myself. Um, and, and, and I understand there are, going people that, there are going to be people that take advantage of you. But if you're able to help somebody, help them if you can uh, for their necessity. Not, not their want, but their need. And so we, we, see, we see the prophet, and I want to jump into the payback for just a moment. I want, I want to read, and, I, and we'll probably break some of this down when we can, let me start with the next two verses. Let's read, let's read verses 6 and 7. Let's look at the payback. We'll start here and we'll finish up another time. Verse 6, And I was very angry when I heard their cries and these words. Then I consulted within myself, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers, and said unto them, Now watch this word here, Ye exact usury, every one of his brother." And I set a great assembly against them. That word usury is interest. So Nehemiah, he hears the cries of the hurting people. He realizes what's going on. He's beside himself. 
So much that he's, he's able to consult with himself. And he was so mad that he was talking to himself. You ever been there? I'm not the only crazy one. Hallelujah. I do that quite often. Well, that's Nehemiah. He's so mad he's talking to himself here. And, and he did not assemble a committee to investigate the problem because the problem is very clear. He consulted with himself and he chewed out the guilty parties. And then that by, by itself shows a great deal about the character of Nehemiah. Remember, we focus on the character here. These men that he's chewing out, these particular men, are money men. We're talking, if you were to put in modern day's terms, billionaires. And so that goes with saying some people in the church are they're able to give a little bit more than others. And thank God for that. But that does not mean that they ought to have more influence than others. Now, I see we don't have that problem here at University Baptist Church. But if any of you ever get to the point where you're giving more than somebody else, please remember that your opinion is worth exactly as much and exactly as less as the next person that gives less than you. As for pastors, we must remember to never treat any big givers any better or worse than anybody else. So these, uh, the accusation that Nehemiah leveled against them in verse 7 was that they were using exacting usury against the brethren. Essentially, this is what he's saying. He's saying that your problem is you are using high interest rates to gain a profit. There's nothing wrong with marking up a, a, a product or a service. Whenever you mark up high interest rates against a local believer, you got issues. Because even the Bible teaches that interest, interest itself is not forbidden. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 19 and 20 says, Thou shalt not lend upon usury to thy brother. Usury of money, usury of victuals, usury of anything that is lent upon usury. Verse 20, Unto a stranger thou mayest lend upon usury, but unto thy brother thou shalt not lend upon usury, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all that thou settest thy hand to in the land, whether thou goest and possess it. Usury, or interest itself, is not forbidden. There's some scripture there. Matthew chapter 25 verse 27 says this, Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own usury. So interest or usury is not forbidden, but charging interest to the brethren, especially poor brethren, was forbidden. It's unethical and it's immoral. So remember now that we're talking about interest here, not profit. We're talking about interest off of a product or a service, not profit. So under most circumstances, that's perfectly fine. But these Jews here in chapter 5, they're doing that. They're doing exactly what they're, supposed to, they're not supposed to do. And they're making a profit by charging interest on loans to poor brethren who are slaving away to build this wall, slaving away to protect them from Sanballat, Tobiah, and all that other crowd. They're profiting off of interest in a time of distress and disaster when everyone should be pulling together. Nehemiah's got a problem with that. He don't mind them making a profit. He has a problem with people taking advantage of others. That's the moral implication. We'll probably finish right there. Let me put a little thing right there. Praise God. That, 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 is, that is the moral implication there. So we're going to dive deeper into, into chapter number uh, 5 